BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Shepard, has it occurred to you that you look just exactly, he says, with that uh, handlebar mustache you got, he says, you look just exactly like the kind of guy that the good guys in all the westerns get up on their horses and form a posse to ride out after. Let's go, man.
I remember the time uh, Bruner, this kid that I, you know, would hang around the kids. See, we, we always, always big thing about what you're going to get for Christmas and stuff. See, and uh, everybody had these these great plans. You know what they wanted for Christmas, and uh, even the greatest ideas you had, you generally didn't say anything about it because it was a great. Uh, you want it for Christmas? Yeah. So what what are you going to do with it? So what do you think I'm going to do with it? I got to take lessons. When I realized that could have been any of us, that could have been Schwartz, that could have been me. Bruner got a piano for Christmas. And incidentally, it changed his character because, first of all, Bruner had been a great guy for Saturday morning. You know, we, we played a lot of our hockey, shinny, anything else we played from about 8 o'clock on the morning Saturday until the last light went out, until it was dark, and you were playing out there, and, you know, you're getting a tin can in the air. Well, Bruner, every Saturday morning from that time on at 9 a.m., would be standing down on the street corner waiting for the bus to take him to his piano teacher to learn how to play chopsticks. Changed Bruner's whole personality. He became introverted, defensive, defensive as hell. And he lost weight. Bruner could have could have become a fairly decent backfield man, but he lost weight due to the fact that you know, sitting there playing at the piano. And he used to have to practice one hour a day. And I don't know, you know, what later became of Bruner. I know a lot of things about Bruner that later became... He turned out, by the way, to be no damn good later on in life. And I suspect that much of it had to do with that evil piano that was visited upon him in a vulnerable period in his life. And by the way, this piano happened to have other characteristics. First of all, it was what they call a spinet which is a delicate, elegant piano. Now, if they had given him an upright, the kind of piano we had down at the Flick's Tavern, for example, or down at the Bluebird, now, they had a real, you know, they had real pianos down there with the, with the, with the cigar burns on all of them and, the, and rings where they put the beer glasses. And <laughs> you know, that was a different kind of a piano. There is a difference between one of those uprights that, uh, by the way, uh, Bob Umball would play. Now, Bob Umball would sit at the piano, hunched down, and uh, he would be drinking. Occasionally are known uh, to have uh, a few rocks loose in the head. Due to the fact, the constant drumming, the constant heavy thumping, the constant uh, driving, pulsating beat. Uh, yes. So, so uh, you know, the madness is rampant, which reminds me, this is W.O.R. New York. And uh, would you please do the honors, Nick? Hit the money button, please, if you will. Oh, this is lovely. This is the singing. What is this? It's nice, but what is it all about? Oh, here it comes. Send a check or a money order to the WOR Children's Christmas Fund. Box 710, Times Square Station, New York 10036. Help make a less fortunate youngster's Christmas Day a merry one. Hey, John, what are you doing up at this hour? I'm thinking we're up here walking around with the real people. <laughs> John Gambling. 
Now, let's see. What else do we have there? We got another goodie. Don't, don't go away. I have a scary story to tell you, gang. Oh, yeah. How about the House of Champs? If you're going to be coming in here over the holidays and you're going to be looking around for a good restaurant, I presume many people do, I want to suggest uh, the House of Champs. It's at 52nd Street and 7th Avenue. And uh, they have uh, elegant wonton soup. They have uh, tangy lemon chicken. Great classics of Cantonese cooking, Peking duck, and all of these various things that they dispense there at the uh, House of Chen are inscrutably delicious. Inscrutably. Just madly delicious. So if you're getting tired of fig newtons, and if you're getting tired of... uh, canned figs, I would like to suggest that you try the House of Chan. They have a nice bar there, too. And they celebrate Christmas the Chinese way. They have this soup that fires off skyrockets. It's really good. That's uh, 7th Avenue and 52nd Street, the House of Chan. Oh, it's all exclusive. Hey, speaking of the the mysterious Chinese, I had one... No, wait, not yet, Nick. Speaking of the inscrutable Chinese, Nick, you're you're a New Yorker. You know the scene. Tonight, I had a great little New York experience. I'm standing on 7th Avenue, seeing the rain is coming down. Actually, it was on the Broadway. The rain is drifting down, and Shep drifts out into the street there. See, I have I have all kinds of... Uh, being a true New Yorker, I have developed my cab-hailing techniques to a fine art. I know just exactly what I can tell when a guy's knocking down. I can, you know, I can, you, know you, you just tell the way the cab goes. See? And you get so that you can even see the the silhouettes of, of uh, customers in the back seat when a guy's knocking down. He's got that off-duty sign. You see the crowd sitting in the back there, see? So, uh, anyway, I'm, I'm standing out there in a hailless cab, and it stops, and it's a Chinese cab driver, which is somewhat of a rarity, but he then pulls a nice one on me. See, he pulls up. Apparently, I have developed recently, and I don't know why. Maybe it's my handlebar mustache, Nick. Do I look like a mark or a tourist? I don't think so. <laughs> but nevertheless, I, I'm, be, I'm being taken for one. So I sit in the back seat of the cab. I slide in, see, and I look in the rearview mirror, and suddenly the, the Chinese cab driver turns, oh, I thought, and he had a great accent. He said, uh, he said oh, good evening, sir. Where you go? And I said, I am going down to 10th Street, directly down to 10th Street in the village. Oh, I saw, I saw, uh, you don't mind if I don't have not not mark the meter? I I not put meter down. Charge you only two dollars and that includes tip. I said, charge me only two dollars and that includes the tip. No, yeah, very good. Uh, you go you go down no no mark meter. I said, uh, no. You mark meter. He said, oh, all right, I mark meter. I show I mark meter. And he reaches over and hits the meter. That's ticking, see. So we start cooling on down Broadway, and we cut over to 7th Avenue, you know, in the rain. We arrive at 10th Street, and the, and the bill is $1.30. At which point he says, I want down our 30 cents, please. I said, uh, yes, I, I noticed uh, it's not $2. So, yeah, yeah, not $2. Meter wrong. Meter bad meter. I said, okay, bad, bad, bad meter. I pay what uh, it says on the meter. Bad meter, you, you go fix meter then. I give you... I gave you one dollar thirty plus tip, maybe only twelve cents, huh? How do you like that? Oh, oh yeah. Oh. Uh, you know the un, uh, this inchoate cry of rage. Oh yeah, I am gonna me that well, me that wrong. I said okay, so I laid the dollar thirty on him, gave him a twelve cent tip, you know, for his efforts. At which point he hurled an inscrutably oriental curse word at me. I said, oh yeah, well, I up yours. 
And with that, we went on down the street, uh, each one of us taking his own taking his own counsel. Do you mind if I sit in with the group here again? You like that, don't you? Listen, I'll tell you. Uh, <laughs> I would I would suggest uh, that uh, if you're if you're thinking of getting a kid a juice hut, uh, and many of you are, that uh, steer clear of the of the juice hearts. I'll, I'll give you some practical suggestions. Steer clear of the juice hearts that look like they're made out of molded lead. You've seen that type. Uh, those are only good to make fishing weights and small anchors out of. Uh, they're not much good to play. But uh, I'll tell you this, though. On the other hand, if a kid does, does get one of those, uh, he should be able to play it. In other words, all Jews harps play. Some play better than others. So uh, don't think that the reason you can't play the Jews harp is because you got a bad Jews harp. I might point out also that maybe you don't have the call. See, to become a true Jews harp player, you have to have the same kind of inner call that has called great men to many other religions in the past. It's basically a religious call. A Jews harp men never become famous. You must understand that. You agree agree with that, Nick? They never do. And uh, say, would you get me... uh, Lee, would you please bring your... your, uh, the the jacket in, please? The jacket. Well, I, I just want the jacket. I don't know what that mysterious sign was that she was giving me there. Uh... Does it have it, Does it have any of the stuff listed? Oh, I know that. I know that. I know which which one you got. I, I'm just uh, uh, here. It's the it's, uh, it's which which side is it? Which one do we have here? Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Here's the one I want. Here's the one I want. Here. Here's the one I want. No wait. Just keep going here. Down here. Down here. 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 This is the cut I want. This is the cut I want. Do you want to hear? Do you want to hear? Speaking of fiddle playing. Speaking of fiddle playing, Nick, would you set that up in there? I don't know whether any of you heard this uh, this type of uh, performing before, but uh, <laughs> I, rem- <laughs> I remember, uh, speaking of, of learning to play instruments, that, that when I started to play, now don't, don't get hooked on that record yet. We're doing the show, please. When I started to uh, play the Jews harp, I must have been about, uh, oh, I would say about six, roughly. And I'm very serious. I was about six. And how I got a Jews harp, uh, I'll have to explain that. I, I, I did not go out and buy a Jews harp. Uh, it was one of those felicitous, felicitous meetings that just came about. Now, uh, uh, see, I think the thing that most New Yorkers uh, who come from a kind of affluent background, that kids, that, that culture is grafted on kids. So it's decided at a very early age that Marty will be a doctor. Or it's decided at a very early age that uh, Howie is going to be an entomologist or some elegant, uh, you know, very uh, very learned profession and that he should learn the violin. That's all part of culture. 
Well, he's forced to do this, so he never learns to love it at any point. He has to go through it. It's like girls taking uh, toe dancing lessons <laughs> or ballet. You know? So, so uh, it's, it's truly an artificial problem. Well, we had this kid in school who, uh, who played the violin in the, in the uh, school orchestra. We had an orchestra, see? And this kid played the violin in the orchestra. Well, uh, in fact, I'll tell you what his name was. His name was, his name was Frank Dergy. Well, Dergy uh, played the orchestra the violin, you know, played straight. He played stuff like the Overture to Norma, which the uh, school orchestra played. But on Saturday night, Saturday night, uh, there was a place in town that had nothing but C&W music, which, by the way, was not considered esoteric in that area. It was considered indigenous. That was music. <laughs> it was just called music, you know. And guys like Hawkshaw Hawkins were always down there. Well, on Saturday night, he would go down, and he would take his violin, which then had changed to a fiddle. See, the difference between a violin and a fiddle is mental. That the Eric Stern plays a violin, okay? Uh, the gentleman you are about to hear, named Vassar Clements, plays a fiddle. He is the Isaac Stern of his world. That Isaac, uh, Isaac Stern was never any better at what he does than Vassar Clements from Kissimmee, Florida, is at his you know that every year that they have a an, a national fiddle playing championship. Yeah, <laughs> was that all right? Now you can see why at one uh, stage of my career, the greatest moment in my creative uh, performing life was that I received. The first money I ever earned in entertainment, Nick, was at the age of 15, I got $5 for one night playing the Jews harp with the Colorado Cowhands <laughs> at a place called a Roundup Bar. And uh, would you please, there's another one I want you to, want you to put on for me. If, uh, if, uh, see, I'm, you're listening to a professional. Uh, <laughs> Oh, wait, just a minute here. There's another one. Uh, what, what, uh, would you please play, uh, would you, was that Orange Blossom, Lee? Um, all right, uh, what, what's the next, would you have another one here, Lee? What was the one we played? Uh, the one with the train. That was it? Cannonball. Give me Cannonball. Yeah, what's the matter with me? Cannonball, of course. This is a great classic, and uh, again, this is uh, speaking of great classics. This is uh, this is uh, <laughs> Vassar Clements again, who is this mystic wraith-like fiddle player, and uh, and any of you who have ever seen a really good country fiddle player know that the fiddle is is a highly expressive instrument in the hands of a really good country fiddler, and he holds the fiddle down low. He never puts it up under his chin, you know, like like uh, Isaac Stern would, but he holds it down low, crooked. In the in the crook of his elbow, and I, as I said, I, I played with a group, and the, we had a fiddler who was who was so drunk that that one night, no, I'm telling you a true story. One night, and they were so they, such a natural fiddle player. I don't know why I'm telling you this this story tonight, but the, <laughs> I just felt like doing it because I've gotten so many letters from people about the Jews harp, and I'll tell you a little bit about it and the kind of music that comes out of. If if there was any influence on me at all. Uh, as a as an early performer, it had to be something like the Hoosier uh, Hoosier Hot Shots. Uh, there were also other great uh, uh, Jews harp players 
who uh, who performed all around that area, and some of them were, are are still legendary. Uh, for example, there was a guy known uh, called Shovelnose. Uh, he was he was when anybody heard he had a specific sound shovel nose uh, shovel nose Scott was his name shovel nose Scott and shovel nose I don't know why he was called shovel nose but shovel nose apparently somebody hit him in the nose once with a shovel but he had a distinctive sound on the Jew's harp now his sound was as distinctive as let us say Louis Armstrong's sound on the trumpet. You, the, you hear one note of, of Armstrong's trumpet, you know it's Armstrong. He had such a special style. Well, Shovel Nose had such a special style on the Jews' harp that it was unmistakable. One one note you hear it, and it was his sound. Curious, rasping, uh, kind of an angry buzz sound. It's fantastic sound. Well, as a kid, I'd hear him, see? And he was always on WLS in New York <laughs> with people called the Arkansas Woodchoppers. You ever hear the Arkansas Woodchoppers, Lula Bell and Scotty? Montana Slim, uh, this is uh, this is I mean this is a, a mean crew. Well, in the middle of all that, you know, guys like Hawkshaw Hawkins would show up once in a while, and you'd occasionally hear uh, Cowboy Copus and uh, Cowboy Copus. I worked with Cowboy many many times. I also worked with Grandpa Jones, by the way. So, and here I am. I'm an aspiring Jews harpist, see, and I'm hearing all these great Jews harp players. But then then we got a fiddler. This fiddler came along. And his name was his name was Little Davy Gregg. They always have names like that. See, Little Davy Gregg come along from Hazard, Kentucky. And Little Gre- Davy Gregg was the most he was the most inspired, maniacal uh, player on the the uh, the fiddle that I ever saw in my life. He was inspired, but he was inspired in an unconscious way. The music come out of him. You know that's the way they talk. The music come out of him so natural he didn't even know he was playing it. And in fact, he was bombed so much of the time that one time. We played a show, and, and little Davy comes come out, see, and, and the MC says, and now it's time for the Devil's Breakdown. It's little Davy Gregg. See, Devil's Breakdown. Oh, it's time for little Davy Gregg to come out. And little Davy Gregg has fallen behind the chair where the, ba- you know, the band had these bands, uh, see, <laughs> the little seats that were sitting down. He'd fallen down. He was laying behind the chair. So with that, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm playing bass and playing juice harp. I look down, and I see him there, so I grabbed him by his suspenders. See, we, we were we were fully dressed in, in the in the big Yank tuxedo. See, uh, we we were, our tuxedos, our band suits were made by Big Yank, and so uh, I reached down, I grabbed him by the suspenders, and the two of us held him up. Well, he he grabbed he, he grabbed a hold of his fiddle just in his drunken uh, in his drunken reflex. He knew it was time, and and the uh, and the Chet Atkins said to him, uh, Chet said, uh, it, it's time to play. So he got play, man. And with that, he he just his blank look. He looked like Laurel of Stan, you know, Laurel and Hardy. But a little one, see, and he's got this checkered suit, and 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 he's got checkered shirt, and he's wearing the, uh, the, uh, he's wearing the overalls, and he crooks that that thing up. And we had to hold him, both of us, on one on each side. I had his left shoulder, and Chet had his right shoulder, and he is playing that fiddle. I never heard anything like it. The people are screaming and yelling. He didn't even know what was going on. Well, then when he finished, we just laid him back down on the stage. <laughs> now, if you want to hear inspired fiddling, listen to this. Oh man, this this gets good. Now you can just see me. See, I, there I am. I'm standing up there wearing my wearing my overalls. And I say, man, it's the Ohio River Jamboree being brought to you tonight by Purina Chick Chow. Purina Chick Chow in a big old checkered bag. All you folks out there that got hands with uh, 
with special land problems, we'd like to recommend... <laughs> no, you didn't. No, no. You never do anything wrong. It's just me all the time. That's right. I take responsibility anything. Thank you. Well, I just had to do it. I just had to get it out. By the way, uh, uh, for those of you who are aficionados, I'm going to be on the Alex Bennett show tonight. Yeah, 2 o'clock in the morning, actually. My good old FM. I think I'll bring my axle <laughs> And since that time, I have never been without my Jews are. Since I was, and, I, and all through the Army, in fact, I have one right here, yeah. All through the Army, I carried this pipe at the bottom of my barracks bag. And in moments of total despair, we reached down. What? I just got a letter from the what? <laughs> what is it? Come on, you can say it. Hit, hit the button. Yeah, oh yeah, of course. We, it was a khaki-colored juice out. They were painted O.D. Yeah, that's right, with a lead tongue. Yeah, didn't get much sound out of it, but uh, sure lined up good in your locker. <laughs> uh, yeah, be sure to get your kid a piano for Christmas. He'd love it. Bring it out there, bring it out there, Nick. Yes, sir. That's my baby. No, sir, I don't mean baby. Yes, sir, that's my baby now. Yep, Fraggers, we've been brought to you tonight by Pure and Chick Chow. Special Chick Chow laying mash in the big checkered bag. Keep them cards and the letters coming in. That old clock on the wall says it's time for us to leave now. And you just remember, 
Old Red is your friend, and Old Red is going to be back picking and singing for all of you.